Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Transformational Healing with your host, Dr. Bonnie Morrow. There are a variety of techniques for hands-on healing that can help you move closer to your vision of good health. In our program, we discuss both the business and science of dealing with different aspects of the healthy community with specialists in various energy practices. Now, here is Dr. Bonnie Morrow. Hi, welcome to Transformational Healing. This is Dr. Bonnie Morrow. And today we would like to shout out to Peru and Chile and France and say welcome to our show because uh, our guest today has traveled in all of those places and he is a labyrinth guru. Uh, This, I'd like you to meet Jay Staley. He lives in Houston, Texas, and he I'll let him tell you about himself. So, welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you very much. I'm really happy to be here with you today. When I think about your show and about healing and transformation, I can't help but think about my journey with the labyrinth. Um, I am a I was a, a school educator by trade. I was a librarian, a teacher and librarian. I spent four years in Peru uh, teaching for a, a mining company down in Peru and worked at 10,000 feet up in the Andes Mountains, and that's how I became familiar with sort of southern Peru and northern Chile. And I uh, spent a lot of my years in service in public schools in Houston, Texas, and I ended up being a school administrator and spent uh, 25 years in the principal's office after spending quite a few a bit of time in the principal's office as a child. It, it was quite a shift <laughs> for me. And um, I, I, when I was getting ready to retire from being a principal, I got to thinking about what I really wanted with the rest of my life, that I really want to leave this work behind. I had a wonderful job. I, had, I was in a great school. Uh, if I was going to be a principal, I could have I stayed there until I died, I suppose. But um, I had been thinking of other things I wanted to do in my life. And at, at about that time, I discovered a labyrinth uh, on my commute between school and home. And I began to stop there on a regular basis and walk the labyrinth to try to get some clarity around where I was headed in my life and what I wanted to do. And I can tell you some more of the journey after that. But uh, in the very beginning, I looked up what a labyrinth was. A labyrinth um, is... Uh, lots of times people confuse labyrinths with mazes. Sometimes when I talk to people about labyrinths, I get that look about, well, what are you talking about? But a labyrinth is an ancient um, archetype. It's used a lot for walking meditation. It was very popular in the 
Middle Ages. You can find labyrinths in the floors of some of the medieval Mary cathedrals in France. We were there last summer and did good that. I talked some more about that um, journey. But these labyrinths date back before the time of Christ uh, to over 2,000 years. There is the Greek myth of the labyrinth and the Minotaur in the middle, and some of the labyrinths that have been found on coins in Crete date back over 2,000 years. So this is a, one of those human archetypes that have been with us for a long time and is now being used as a tool for transformation and healing. And it's probably in our society where we move so fast and things are going on around us faster than we can keep up with, that we have uh, an instrument and a place where we can stop and slow our life down and take time to walk and think and meditate and bring a little clarity to the rush of our world. So can you tell me what did, so they were around in Jesus's time, and what did they use them for? Well, the a lot of the early labyrinths uh, were used as design uh, in architecture, in uh, patios, and in homes in Roman, Roman times. Sometimes they were embedded in the floors. difference between a maze and a labyrinth, a maze uh, is a design that's created to deceive. There's lots of dead ends. There's lots of um, stops and turning around because you're trapped. And the labyrinth, which is often confused with the maze, is a single path that starts at the beginning and winds and winds and winds until you get to the center. Uh, there's no wrong turn. It's a metaphor for any journey, any life journey that we take, that once we get started, if we continue to put one foot in front of the other, we make it to where we're headed, and that's the center. And then the time that a person walks into the center of the labyrinth, they can use that time for prayer or for centering or for answering questions that are on their mind. And there's, there's I, I, I hesitate, but I also love to talk about the mystical, uh, the magical transformation that takes place in uh, things in my life, including storytelling, but I found the same thing with labyrinth. It, uh, it's amazing sometimes when you ask for the answer to a question, how clearly it comes to you as you're walking the path and getting to the center. And then and the, the last part of that walk is you take that wisdom that you receive from the labyrinth and you follow the path back out and you wind back out slowly into your world and you take that wisdom with you. I'm sorry, I didn't pick up on your last few words. I said as you, as you, as you take as you wind that path back out into your world, into the rush of that world, you hold on to that wisdom or that um, that uh, answer that you got from your time in the library. Uh-huh. I see. That's great. And so you like to walk the labyrinth every day, or, or do you go past the one you liked every day? I went past the one I liked every day. I usually will walk the labyrinth two or three times a month. Sometimes if I'm dealing with a certain issue or I'm looking for a certain answer or I have a, a, a challenge on my mind, I might walk the labyrinth three times in one day. Or I might walk it every day for five straight days. Uh, it, it's, um, I'm sometimes very intentional about it because I'm looking for answers. Other times I'm just looking for space or time to um, 
to slow down and settle. Uh huh. So, how did the labyrinth work into your storytelling? Well, I think there's a certain shape to stories. Uh, as I've worked with stories and storytelling for years, we, I, I teach a class at the University of Houston downtown on the um, storytelling in the communications department. And I talk with my uh, class members about the shape of stories and why stories have a certain shape. And I think stories are very much the same as labyrinths. There's, a, there's, a, there's much of this human DNA that is uh, written into stories. We tell stories because we are trying to find meaning in our life. We search for meaning through stories. Uh, we have, uh, all of us, a framework for story, the shape of a story and how it feels right to us in our mind. That's why when we go to a movie or we read a book and we get to the end and we slam the book or walk out of the movie and are disgusted because it just didn't end right. It didn't end right because it didn't match up with that shape of story that we have wired into our, our minds as, as human beings. And the archetype of the labyrinth, the circular pathway, the movement back and forth, the winding in and out, a lot of that same type of structure that you find in stories, in good stories. Good. Good. So the purpose and the value of walking a labyrinth, and maybe you've touched on that a little, well, and I can talk. I can. Uh, I could be with you for three or four hours and talk about this. So I, I will continue on. Um, I think one reason we walk labyrinths is because we really need to remember who we really are. Um, we get lost sometimes ourselves in our world, and we begin to believe stories about ourselves or other people's images of us. And we kind of forget what, who we are and what our core values are and where we came from. And one reason that I walk the labyrinth is to stop all the nonsense and quiet my world and quiet my mind and just think about who I am, where I came from, and who I want to be. And those are um, some of the questions I ask myself when I walk. Sometimes I walk because I want to identify a target in my life. I want to consider maybe something I want to create or a project I'm working on or even a relationship that I'm wanting to uh, um, make healthy or build. So there's lots of those sorts of things. I know uh, the labyrinth that we built in France, We uh, there's a incubation company in the building next to the labyrinth, and they do startups with businesses. And... They use the labyrinth to go out as an idea generator. So if they're looking, if they're feeling stuck, or if they um, if they need creative ideas, or they're considering a next step, they they'll go out and they'll walk the labyrinth and um, just sort of pose that to the to the process, and they use it to generate ideas. Another reason I walk the labyrinth is, is sort of self observation. I want to think about how I'm walking not only in the labyrinth, but how I'm walking in my life and what are the obstacles in my life and what are the goals. So it's, um, it's really a good tool to use for self-observation and reflection. Good, good. So uh, we're, gonna, we're getting close to break here. So when we come back from break, will you talk about your um, labyrinth that you built in France? 
I will do that. I'll sort of walk you through about three steps that I got to, that I went through to uh, build the labyrinth in France, and uh, that would be fun. I'll look okay. over to that after break. Okay, so it was in, oh, I'm not French, Fourier? It was on the Fourier in uh, the highest point of Lyon. Lyon is the second largest city in France, and we had this opportunity to build a labyrinth on a very um, a very sacred spot in that part of the, of the world, and, uh, and it was quite an experience. Good. All righty, let's go to a quick break, and we'll come right back. Uh, thank you. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Dr. Bonnie Morrow's passion is to make healing available in every home around the world. You can find out more about healing touch classes available wherever you are. Dr. Bonnie is here to share her knowledge and expertise in energy medicine as both a teacher and facilitator. To use Healing Touch for those you love, contact Healing Touch Texas for a class schedule. You can contact Dr. Bonnie via email at HealingTouchTX at AOL.com or visit the website at transformational-healing.org. Do you know about Reiki? This method of healing can complement Western medicine as well as other alternative practices. Besides healing, it can have the additional effect of making you feel more positive about yourself and the world around you. By tuning into For the Love of Reiki with host Paula Vale, you'll find how Reiki can improve your health, bring balance into your life, and fill you with joy. For the Love of Reiki is broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Transformational Healing. To reach Dr. Bonnie Morrow or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to HealingTouchTX at AOL.com. Now, back to Transformational Healing. Hi, welcome back. This is Transformational Healing, and this is Dr. Bonnie Morrow. Today we're talking to Jay Staley, who is Love's Labyrinths. And he is talking to us today about labyrinths. So I live in Houston, and I know, Jay, that you built a labyrinth down in the third ward or fourth ward? Fourth ward. Mm-hmm. Fourth ward. Uh-huh. In Freedmanstown. Now, somebody said to me, well, what is Freedmanstown? Freedmanstown is where the slaves, the freed slaves went to live. Is that not correct? 
That is correct. When the slaves were freed after the Civil War, there was a large number that came into Houston, and they settled in that part of the city, that edge of the city. And uh, it's right on the edge of the downtown now. At the time, it was probably outside the downtown, but uh, it's really central to the city. We see the skyline from the Fourth Ward um, of downtown. It's called quite beautiful, but uh, there are still, it's a very historical part of our city. Um, there are still um, lots of signs of the community that rose up there and sort of took leadership in the, in the African-American community of Houston. So it was a great um, adventure for us. Yes, and it's your labyrinth is built on the site of a church. That's that's correct. We um, I was I was actually working as as a volunteer at the Roscoe Chapel. Uh, that's another one of Houston's gems. It's a it's a real sacred place for transformation and healing in Houston. And and I volunteered down there. And one afternoon when I was down there at a meditation, uh, I ran into the director of outreach for the Boniac Institute, which is a institute for the uh, study and advancement of religious tolerance at Rice University. And Mike Pardee, the, the, the outreach director, was running a program for high school students he called Sacred Sites Quest. And the students gathered a couple times a month, and they visited different sacred places in Houston. Uh, they always did a labyrinth walk and visited the Roscoe Chapel, but they also went to mosques and synagogues and and uh, the Quaker Meeting House and and the Sikh uh, Meeting Center and and it was um, it was an effort to get children to look at the variety of um, sort of sacred journeys people are on in the Houston area. Houston has now been proclaimed the most international city in America, so uh, there's it's it's quite an interesting um, a melting pot here, and so. We were visiting these sacred sites, and at the end of their, their, their program, in the past years, they had done some kind of a public art project. And this particular year, they had decided they wanted to build a labyrinth. And when Mike heard I was a labyrinth guy, he said, why don't you just be our coach? You can be a labyrinth coach for our group. So I began working with the group, and we built together with the kids, we built some some temporary labyrinths out of paint tape and chalk and and other things. Uh, stick'em notes, we built a labyrinth out of stick'em notes and, and walked that labyrinth and talked a lot about how it felt and the size of the center and the, and the feel of the turns, those sorts of things. So when we were done with that process, the kids had decided the type of labyrinth they wanted to build. And at the same time, there was a church, Mount Carmel Missionary Baptist Church, that had collapsed uh, almost from the weight of history. It was over 100 years old, and it came out of uh, the sort of the beginnings of Freedman's Town. It was one of the original congregations, black congregations over there. And the church had collapsed. It was a big brick uh, building that sat on a block over there in Freedman's Town. And the congregation didn't have the money to rebuild the church, but they wanted to hold on to the property and make it a place that the, their members felt was still um, spoke to them uh, from a spiritual standpoint, and they decided maybe a labyrinth would be the answer to that. So they asked us if we would build this labyrinth on the site. 
And in about a six-week period with 150 volunteers, we took the bricks from the old church and laid them back down in a pattern. We moved 52 tons of crushed granite uh, in wheelbarrows, and mostly the kids did it because the first time I pushed one of those wheelbarrows, I had to sit down for about 10 minutes just to rest. <laughs> so we had kids that, that worked really hard, and we guided that work, and we created a 50-by-50-foot 50 50 brick uh, labyrinth in the tradition of the Chartres Cathedral in France. And uh, we dedicated that labyrinth in June of 2014. And uh, we've since had a number of events there at the labyrinth. And it's kind of brought a little bit, uh, certainly um, served the purpose that the congregation had wanted. And it's also brought some people into the community. Um, it's an interesting community. It's a community in, in flux and transition. There's three or four different groups that are part of that community, and they normally don't communicate, but... The labyrinth has been kind of a, uh, a transformational and healing center for the community as well, and so it was. It was a great project. And the following um, spring, we did another uh, labyrinth at one of the high schools here in Houston. The Houston International School had a group of kids from all different cultures and races and religions working with us on that project as well, and. Um, and then in the summer, this past summer, we decided we were going to take these kids to France, and um, and we had an opportunity to do some study while we were over there on sacred sites, and then build a labyrinth. So that was the, and and I can tell you more about that. But the the Freemanstown Labyrinth has been a, a wonderful addition to the city, and it's uh, it's one of my favorite places now to go and walk. Uh huh. So uh, how do I get there? Well, it is between. It is at the corner of Ruston and Valentine Streets, and Valentine runs between Gray and Dallas, in uh, right there, just east of downtown, or just west of downtown. So, if you go to the corner of Ruston and Valentine in the fourth, in the old fourth ward, you'll see the the lot there with the labyrinth on it. Okay, I want to. I want to do that. So it's sometime. It's you know, the steps of the old church are still there. In the back, the the um, baptismal font is still there on the site. Um, so you see sort of pieces of history as you enter the site, and then you um, see the labyrinth and walk the labyrinth. So I, I would love to have, um, I would love to let you know when we're doing some walks, Bonnie, and you should join us. Oh, please. Please, please, please! I would like that very much because I like the I like the labyrinth. Um, mm-hmm. And there so Facebook, there is a Facebook page, uh, the Historic Freedmanstown Labyrinth. Historic Freedmanstown Labyrinth. If you look it up on Facebook, it kind of keeps you up on what's going on with labyrinths in the city, and also lets you know when we're doing labyrinth events there at the site. Historic. Friedman's Town Labyrinth. Okay, I will do that. That sounds like fun. So, and you took your group to France? Yes, we had a, we had a group of kids that built a, a labyrinth over at uh, the, the Sharpstown International High School, the Sharpstown International School here in Houston. It's a it's a charter high school that's uh, run through Houston ISD, 
and we had a group of about 20 students. And then we had a group of students that worked on the Freedmanstown uh, Labyrinth. And so we had an opportunity to travel to France. We got a, a great support from a local industry. Schlumberger helped support the project. And um, with that funding from Schlumberger and some fundraising that we did, we were able to take 15 students to France. And, and I had gone the week previous uh, to the trip and spent a week in uh, Chartres at the Chartres Cathedral and the labyrinth there in Chartres working uh, with the author uh, Philip Cousineau who wrote The Art of the Pilgrimage and also with Lauren Artris who's sort of the, the foundering matriarch of the modern labyrinth uh, movement. And we worked together there for a week with a group of people from all over the world on this idea of pilgrimage and the metaphor for pilgrimage that the labyrinth um, serves to to support. And I then went into Paris and met this group of kids at the, at the airport, and I was geared up after spending the week with uh, Lauren and Philip, and uh, we were able to go up into the north and visit a couple of the big cathedrals where uh, they still have labyrinths that are 800 years old in the floors of the church, uh, in, inlaid into the floor of the church. We went to um, Amiens, and then we went to Chartres, and uh, we walked a labyrinth in the city there. And ultimately, we ended up in the south of France at Lyon, and the partner that I work with, Reginald Adams, who is a, a public artist here in Houston, had contacts in Lyon, and uh, there was a technical university in Lyon that owned property that they had purchased from the Catholic Church that had been uh, owned by the Catholic Church for probably 1,300 years and recently had been sold to the, to the university. It was at the very top of the city. You looked out on Lyon below you, the old city. There were uh, Roman ruins. Uh, pretty much on all sides of where we were, and in fact, probably we were putting labyrinths right on top of Roman ru ruins because that's where the Romans had settled originally uh, the city. And it was a it was a, a world heritage site, and we had this opportunity, uh, an invitation, and an opportunity to put this labyrinth in, and it was a. It was almost a, we, we call the labyrinth synergy because it seemed like every time we turned around, all the right things happened. So we had the opportunity to build in that place. We had support um, with a, a local uh, uh, stone mason who provided the materials for us. Uh, the truck wasn't, wasn't available and wouldn't be available to deliver the stone until we were leaving the town. But then the driver said, well, wait, I've got a couple hours right now. I could deliver right now if you can do that. And, and so every time we turned around, some, some uh, magical sort of, um, of opportunity fell in our, at our feet. And we worked with the kids for two and a half days and uh, created this 32-foot, five-circuit labyrinth that uh, we walked with the president of the university at the dedication uh, before we caught the train to go back to Paris to get our plane. So it was quite an adventure. Oh, yes, it sounds like it. So, um, and what did you make it out of? What kind of stone? Well, we had stone pavers. 
that were uh, probably six to eight inches long and about four inches wide. And it was a turf labyrinth, a labyrinth that we built, uh, both the labyrinths we built in the city here in Houston. One is crushed granite. The path is crushed granite. And in the labyrinth world, we talk about the path and the field, the field being what marks the path, and the path being where people walk. So the path at uh, Freedmanstown was crushed granite, and the path at uh, the Sharpstown International School was, um, was asphalt, painted asphalt. And so uh, this was our first venture into making a turf labyrinth, and there are a lot of turf labyrinths throughout um, northern Europe. There are turf labyrinths in uh, the Scandinavian countries that date back uh, probably a thousand years. One of the things that they believe in Scandinavia is that um, villages built these stone labyrinths. Uh, the stone was the field and and the turf, the grass was the path, and they built these labyrinths up on the cliffs above the sea, and the fishermen would walk the labyrinths before they went out to sea for luck and for safety, and then when they came back in from sea, they would walk the labyrinth again for gratitude for whatever catch they got and for their safe return. So within different places in the world, the labyrinth is used for different purposes, but they do, they have found in Sweden and Norway these labyrinths that date back um, centuries. And in England and Scotland and Wales, you can find turf labyrinths. So this was our first um, attempt at working with the turf labyrinth. So we, we lined the path with these stone pavers. We had to trench. The kids got, were on their hands and knees with, with shovels and trowels and hoes and they had to trench down about um, two and a half inches uh, the entire path. We marked the path out and put them to work, and they began to, to dig the, the trench for the stone, and then they laid the stone in so that the stone was embedded into the ground and came up to about the same level as the grass because there was an issue about maintaining it and being able to run the mowers right over top of it. So we had to make sure that the stone and the, and the turf were about the same level. And oh. uh, the the kids, it was it was low tech. I can tell you that it was a real low tech project. There was there was no gasoline powered anything. It was all hand powered. The kids moved the stones um, probably a hundred yards one by one. There were three pallets of these stones, and we um, and then the kids dug the trench with uh, on their hands and knees with trowels and shovels. And uh, by the by the second day when we were almost done. The kids were singing songs and, and just having the best time. They, they knew they were close to completion, and they, they felt this tremendous sense of accomplishment uh, to be I able guess to so. leave, leave this legacy behind. And really, when we left, um, you would have looked at it and thought, Has this, is this labyrinth two, day, two days old or is it two centuries old? So it, it ended up being a footprint that fit right in with the um, area where the labyrinth is, is uh, installed. That is great. And the kids had a good time? Oh, the kids had a great time. We're, um, we're in the process now of planning our second international journey with, the, with these kids and others. Um, and it's uh, the summer of 2016, and we're scheduled to go to Ecuador 
and work again with some of the Slumberger um, uh, people that are working down in Ecuador. They're helping fund the project again. And we are, uh, we're set right now to build a labyrinth right on top of the equator in Ecuador, huh. which I'm Lovely. very excited I'm very excited about it because I just to imagine a labyrinth where as you walk, you're moving between the southern hemisphere and the northern hemisphere. And yes. uh, there's a certain power in the earth around the equator. There's a lot of, um, of uh, spiritual and mystical sort of powers around uh, the earth uh, where the equator runs. So I think it's going to be an exciting project for us. We're looking forward to it. I think so, too. Okay, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. Dr. Bonnie Morrow's passion is to make healing available in every home around the world. You can find out more about Healing Touch classes available wherever you are. Dr. Bonnie is here to share her knowledge and expertise in energy medicine as both a teacher and facilitator. To use Healing Touch for those you love, contact Healing Touch Texas for a class schedule. You can contact Dr. Bonnie via email at HealingTouchTX at AOL.com. Or visit the website at transformational-healing.org. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Transformational Healing. To reach Dr. Bonnie Morrow or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to HealingTouchTX at AOL.com. Now, back to Transformational Healing. Hi, this is Dr. Bonnie, and welcome back to Transformational Healing. Today our guest is Jay Staley, and he is a labyrinth expert. So, can you tell us, Jay, about, is there training to walk the labyrinth? Well, that's, that's an interesting question. You know, when I found the labyrinth, I just read something about it on the Internet and was curious and looked one up and figured it out for myself <clears throat> Uh, the, in this world of um, access to information through the Internet, you can almost do anything without help. But there certainly is a community of labyrinth uh, experts and labyrinth facilitators that are available to people who are interested. And I guess um, I can tell you that when I first 
uh, started walking the labyrinth, I did what other people do. You know, you have a tendency to tell, to have conversations about what you're doing. And I had a conversation with a friend of mine who was helping me with my coaching. She was one of my coaching uh, instructors. And she, I said something about the labyrinth, and she smiled at me, and, and she said, you know, Jay, I have a labyrinth in my backyard. So she happened to live in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, so I couldn't um, just run over there and walk her labyrinth. But she also had an interest in labyrinths, and she said to me, there is a facilitator training that's going to be offered in, uh, at Harmony Farm in Tip City, Ohio. And I've been thinking about going to it. So I looked up that information. It, it intrigued me because, number one, I'm originally from central Ohio, and I had family there. So if I went up there, I'd have an opportunity to visit my family. I also was interested because if Mary Manti, this coach that I was working with, was going to be there, um, I, I really liked the idea of being able to uh, learn more from her during the three days. So we ended up both signing up for this training. I, I really didn't know a lot about it, but the woman that gave the training was Lauren Artris. And Lauren um, was the minister at Grace Cathedral, Episcopal Cathedral in San Francisco. And when she was sort of going through a transition period in her life in the 90s, she heard about labyrinths and wanted to know more about labyrinths. And she ended up at the cathedral in Chart, and she found the labyrinth and laid into the floor, but it was covered with chairs. And they tried to get people to understand that that was, a, that was something they wanted to walk on, and they couldn't really get people to understand uh, what, what that really was underneath the chairs on the floor in the cathedral. And so they silently, quietly moved the chairs off the labyrinth, and they walked that labyrinth, and when she came home to San Francisco, she convinced the, the church that they needed a labyrinth there at Grace Cathedral. And so uh, since that time, they had a labyrinth, a tapestry labyrinth that they put on the floor inside. And then they built an outdoor labyrinth for people to walk. And they've since inlaid a stone labyrinth into the floor at Grace Cathedral. And I had the chance to be out in San Francisco this summer and walk that that labyrinth, and it's, it was beautiful. It was a, a wonderful experience. So Lauren uh, taught this, this facilitator training in Ohio for these three days, and uh, when that was done, according to the organization she was working with, which is an organization, if you're interested in labyrinths, everyone needs to know about. It's, it's called Veriditas, V-E-R-I-D-I-T-A-S, Veriditas. And you can go to veriditas.org and get information about the labyrinth and about these training sessions that are offered around the city or around the, the country, really, in the world. And um, I spent three days there with, with Lauren. And when that was over, there was a process that I could go through to further my understanding of labyrinths and to facilitate public walks. So to be a person who invited people to come to the labyrinth and uh, do labyrinth walks. And I went through that process. It took about a year. And uh, when I came out at the other end, I had done all the work. I got a certificate that said I was a, a certified facilitator, labyrinth facilitator. And um, that was kind of where I got my, 
my background and my training in uh, what I'm, uh, what it is, uh, a lot of history and background of the labyrinth, but also why it's a powerful tool and how to introduce it to, to people for their edification and use. Yes. So do you always walk the labyrinth alone? Well, I, I often walk the labyrinth alone. I, I walk the labyrinth alone when I I'm, need that time for myself. I need to slow down or I need, um, uh, I have some intention that I'm walking the labyrinth for personal, um, for personal gain or, or personal clarity. But um, I also facilitate group walks. Uh, every every month since we opened the Freedmanstown Labyrinth, since we completed it, we have a walk on the full moon. And it's quite gorgeous to be in Freedmanstown and see the, the, the lights of the cityscape, the, sky, the skyline of, of downtown Houston, and watch the moon rise up over those big buildings into the sky. And we've done that every month since, uh, for well, it's been 15, 16 months now since we dedicated that labyrinth. And we'll have, sometimes we'll have a half a dozen or a dozen people. Um, we've often have 25, 30 people that will come out for those labyrinth walks. Um, lots of times there'll be a group at the beginning, and we'll have some kind of a opening or a process we we do what they call season the labyrinth. We get out and talk to each other and sort of warm up the the climate and the culture around what it is we're going to be doing. We may have a story or a poem or some meditation that we um, provide for everyone, and then we we as a group uh, walk the labyrinth. And it's kind of interesting to walk as a group, different from it's a different dynamic than an individual walk. Um, you kind of see that we're all on the same path. The metaphor changes a little bit. The metaphor is more that we're all on this path together. And sometimes people are going the same direction in the same way we are, and sometimes people are going different directions as we pass them by. And uh, we have to sort out what that means in our lives. And so it's, a, it's an interesting metaphor when you walk as a group but it's also, um, there's a certain energy in the labyrinth depending on who the group is that's walking and what the purpose is. So. Uh-huh. So how can our listeners locate a labyrinth that's near them? And we're worldwide, so. Yes, and that's, it's great because there is just the perfect tool for locating a labyrinth anywhere in the world. There is, um, Veritatis uh, started... Uh, something they call the Worldwide Labyrinth Locator. And if you just go and Google Worldwide Labyrinth Locator, it will take you to that site. Uh, it's, I think it is the WorldwideLabyrinthLocator.org, www.WorldwideLabyrinthLocator.org. And there is a search engine on the first page where you put in um, what your location is. You can put in a city, a state, a country, you can put in a zip code and how many miles you want to search in, in uh, a radius to that point, and it will bring up every labyrinth that's within so many miles of where you stand. Wow, good. Okay, and so is... And they usually, go ahead. Do you have to seek permission to walk a labyrinth? 
Well, it says in the labyrinth locator, the nice thing about the labyrinth locator is when you pull up the labyrinth, they um, explain uh, where the labyrinth is. They explain whether it's public or private. They usually list the hours that it's open. Uh, they list telephone numbers of contacts or uh, emails of contacts if you want to uh, communicate with people beforehand about the labyrinth before you go out to walk it. So there's lots of information there that provides you with sort of how access works and whether it's where, where, whether and when it's going to be available. So I know, for instance, the Freedmanstown Labyrinth, um, it's accessible 24 hours a day. If you wanted to go and walk that labyrinth, there's nobody that has a key that has to let you in. I will tell you that when we were in France, um, one of our days we looked at, at the Worldwide Labyrinth Locator and we came up with three or four sites that we wanted to visit. And one of the, the first site we visited was a church, a Catholic church in a small village that was, uh, the church was built around 1200. It was one of the Mary churches during that period in, the, in Catholic history. And it said that there was a stone, a carved stone labyrinth, about three feet by three feet. And it was on a pedestal inside the church. But the church was going to be locked when you arrived. And if you wanted to get in, you went to the house across the street and knocked on the door and asked for the key. And that's exactly what we did. We had a two busloads full of kids, and we pulled into town, and we went and peered in through the gate and tried to see where this might be. And we ended up going across the street and knocking on the door, and they said, oh, yeah, we can get you in there. And a lovely woman uh, opened up the church for us and toured us through the church and gave us a history and background of the church as well as a history and background of this carved stone with the labyrinth on it. So if you go to the Worldwide Labyrinth Locator, they give pretty specific uh, information about where the labyrinth is, it is, where it is, and how to find it, and how to access it, and what its origin or, or uh, how it was built and who built it. So, Good. Great. Okay, let's take another quick break, Jay. All righty. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health and Wellness. Dr. Bonnie Morrow's passion is to make healing available in every home around the world. You can find out more about healing touch classes available wherever you are. Dr. Bonnie is here to share her knowledge and expertise in energy medicine as both a teacher and facilitator. To use Healing Touch for those you love, contact Healing Touch Texas for a class schedule. You can contact Dr. Bonnie via email at HealingTouchTX at AOL.com or visit the website at transformational-healing.org. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually, as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Transformational Healing. To reach Dr. Bonnie Morrow or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to HealingTouchTX at AOL.com. Now, back to Transformational Healing. Hi, welcome back. This is Dr. Bonnie Morrow. And you are listening to Transformational Healing. Today, our special guest is Jay Staley, and he is he knows all about the labyrinth, which and how does a labyrinth hook, hook into wellness? How does it, it's it's a tool for transformational healing, both individually and within a community. I think it's. Um, I think in our world we we need to always be looking for uh, those tools, and you're a, an expert and and uh, entertain lots of experts on how to find these tools and how to use these tools. And this is kind of a unique tool. It's uh, over two thousand years old, and it's been used for lots of purposes over time. But at this time, we're using it a lot for walking meditation to find clarity to bring people together and build community. So uh, it's kind of a, a tool available to us for um, transformation and for healing both individually and in groups. Thank you. Thank you. Can you, I've always wondered, what is the, there's a seven, sorry, seven circuit or 11 circuit, and how do you determine what is what? Okay, well, there are, uh, again, if you look in the, on the Internet, and I, I need to correct something I said earlier before break. The Labyrinth Locator, the website is, is www.labyrinthlocator.com. Oh, Labyrinth okay. .com. But uh, there are uh, lots of uh, places uh, uh, on the Internet and books that you can read about um, labyrinths and sort of that history. But uh, quickly, I'll just say that... Um, that an 11-circuit labyrinth, a circuit is how many um, circles, concentric circles, there are in a labyrinth before you get to the middle. So an 11-circuit labyrinth, you walk 11 different circuits or circles around the labyrinth before you get to the center. Uh, a seven-circuit labyrinth is one that has seven circles. And the ancient Greek or the ancient Crete labyrinth um, that was on the coins in Minos back uh, around the time of Christ. That was a seven-circuit classic labyrinth. So um, different designs have come up at different periods in time. During the Middle Ages, the, a lot of the labyrinths that they put into the church floors were 11-circuit labyrinths. And um, you'll find as you look at, for labyrinths in your community, here in Houston, for instance, we have a number of 11-circuit labyrinths at different places around town. But we also have seven circuit labyrinths, and so you can visit um, different styles and sort of um, explore and get a feel for how each one of those walks affects you personally. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, good point. All righty. Uh, we are on our last 
segment, Jay, and I would like to give you an opportunity to tell our listeners something that you haven't told them. Is there anything left for them to know? Well, I think that um, one of the things that you need to know about a labyrinth is sometimes you have one in your neighborhood and you don't even realize it. They're flat on the ground. Um, they don't typically, they don't have anything protruding up out of them. So if you look across a flat field and there's a labyrinth there, you may not even know it. I've walked by a labyrinth in Austin, Texas, probably 30 or 40 times, and I'm a labyrinth enthusiast. And I was within 40 or 50 feet of this labyrinth and didn't realize it was there. So uh, you find out more about labyrinths by, look, by looking them up or being involved with people, hearing about them from other people, than just discover or, or wondering on to them. So that's uh-huh. one thing I'd like to say. I do, do want to also say that there is a, there are organizations. The Labyrinth Society is an international organization. They're having their conference um, in October at the Waycross um, Retreat Center in Morgantown, uh, Morgansville, or Morgantown, Indiana, and uh, they meet annually. People come from all over the world, and they talk labyrinths, and they talk about the different things that are going on in the labyrinth community. One of the reasons I'm going to be up there this year is we're going to be, uh, Reginald Adams and I are going to be presenting uh, a program about the creation of the Freedmanstown Labyrinth here in Houston. So um, there are organizations, both locally and, and nationally, internationally, that you can get involved with that uh, tell you, can tell you more or give you more information about labyrinths. So you don't have to dress up to walk the labyrinth, do you? No, you just go as you are. That's another lovely thing about the labyrinth is um, it accepts you the way you are and it helps you find out who that person is. Oh, good. Good, good. Okay. Um I think that I also want to just say if 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 your if our listeners are on Facebook, if you just um, put labyrinth into the search engine on Facebook, there are a number of fascinating groups and information places on Facebook uh, about labyrinths, about where they are and and where you can find them and what's going on in those places. I know that we're going to have a walk here in Houston in October around the Day of the Dead, uh, I call it a remembrance walk, but we ask people to bring pictures of people that they want to remember that have been important in their life, and we contemplate the impact that those people that are not with us anymore have had on our lives and how they've um, they've, uh, shaped us into the people we are today. So that's that's an example of, of sort of a guided walk on the labyrinth, but um, there are some wonderful things going on around labyrinths, and and I encourage your listeners to to go out there and find a labyrinth in their community and and see how um, it affects them when they just uh, take the time to walk that path from outside to in and from inside to out. Okay, and how does someone get a hold of you, Jay, if they would like to reach you? I am available on Facebook. I am available uh, through email. It's J-A-Y-S-T-A-I-L-E-Y at S-B-C, S as in Sam, B as in boy, C as in Charlie, S-B-C global 
net. And I All think you righty. have that information there at the at the station, don't you? Yes, 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 yes. All righty. I would like to thank you so much for being with us today. I enjoyed every minute of it, and I look forward to coming to Freedmanstown to do the moon, the full moon walk with you. Well, I, I look forward to meeting you there, Bonnie. Thank you so much for having me. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Have a good Bye day. Now. Thank you for listening today. Transformational Healing with Dr. Bonnie Morrow is broadcast live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a healthy week. Mm-hmm.